You're listening to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, episode number seven. I've been stuck in a pattern of toxic relationships my whole life, beginning when, when I was a child. Welcome to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, stories of vibrant women living happy lives. And now your host, Jen Riday. In our last episode, I spoke with Laura Ball, and she shared her story of leaving college at age 18 to go home and care for her 13-year-old sister when their parents died. Today, I'm speaking with Melanie Benayat. She is an author, an artist, and a health coach. Melanie shares her story of healing from physical, emotional, and sexual abuse and finding a vibrant and happy life today. I'm so happy to introduce my guest today, Melanie Benayat. Melanie is a certified holistic health coach, an author, and a professional artist. She lives in the beautiful Cool Pines of Prescott, Arizona. Melanie is the author of an award-winning book titled Stretch Your Brave, Hack Your Story. Melanie, how are you doing today? I'm really excited to be on your show. This is, um, this is right in line with things I like to talk about. So Nice. It's very good. It's going to be fun. So I've given our listeners just a bit of a taste about you. So take a minute and fill in anything that was missing from that bio. Yeah, so I I have a lot of stories to tell, which is why I wrote that book last year. Uh, so I don't know exactly what I could fill in, except that, um, yeah, probably the, the, the one story I like to tell has to do with something that ended up sending me to jail. Oh, let's go right there. I would assume that's related to your low point in life when we like to uh, talk about that. But first, let's back up a tiny bit. We love to start our show with a favorite quote or a personal motto, if you want to share that. Sure. Well, several years ago, after I was going through my divorce, I came across this wonderful little metal bookmark. And it says, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And that was like the perfect thing I needed to hear at that time, especially when I was going through such a hard time. And so that stays with me. Um, it's on my desktop all the time. And it's just that constant reminder that, that uh, I need to stretch myself a little bit more. You mentioned jail. And now I'm thinking, here you are, you're a successful author and a coach. So clearly that motto has done a lot for you. So let's go ahead and dive into that story of your low point and how you've gotten where you are today from there. About, let's see, this was back in 2004. I ended up getting in a domestic fight with my husband. We had been fighting quite a bit and I had made dinner for the family and I was calling the family in when dinner was ready and I had made this beautiful spread of Mexican food and this gorgeous bowl of guacamole and in come my kids they prepare their plates and they head over to the table and my husband comes in and we're still just kind of bickering at each other under under our breath and and he was making certain comments to me and it was just this it was like the button that pushed me over the edge and there I was standing in front of this bowl of guacamole and I put my hands in the guacamole. I didn't pick up the bowl itself and I just splattered it all over him. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it, this is one of those stories that always gets a laugh and it's, 
it's really kind of funny because um, it was guacamole, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and we ended up and the, the the big mistake there was that I did this in front of my kids, mm-hmm. and we didn't do that. We we didn't fight in front of our kids. That was just but but that night I had lost it. I had just he ended up calling the police, and I I ended up getting arrested. And I have a record of assault over this. Mm. And this kicked off this series of events over that following year that all of a sudden a ton of things started happening and and I had very little control over anything. So <laughs> I found myself, what was it, like eight months later, I was sitting in a therapy session with an art therapist. And, and by this time, I had been in and out of divorce court, in and out of criminal court. And I'm sitting in this session and telling her what had been going on over the last week or so. And we're just sitting there having this conversation. And all of a sudden, I kind of went into like a, a trance where I, you know, I, I was just staring off into space and she couldn't get me to snap out of it. She couldn't get me to, um, uh, you know, just respond to her. I could hear her, but she's kind of sounded like she was far away. Mm. And, and it lasted for about a minute, she said. And then all of a sudden I just, I snapped out of it and she looked at me and said, where were you just now, Melanie? Because I, and I'm like, I have no idea. That's never happened to me before. Mm. And um, so she's like, well, let's, let's go back to the conversation we were having and see if something triggers, triggered that for you. And we're talking and nothing's coming to me. I'm like, I, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden I heard it. I heard this sound that was coming from outside her office window and there was a construction site next to her office. And it was the sound that was coming from a dump truck. Now, my husband and I owned a dump truck for our business. It had these metal flaps that they were these extensions that would make the sidewalls taller if you needed more space. And when they weren't in use, they would hit up against the the other metal part of the truck. And it was that sound that sent me into this trance. And what we realized was that it was a post-traumatic stress response. Mm. It was a trigger for me. And that was one of those moments where I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, this is way more serious than I thought. I know a lot of women who, when they experience trauma in their life, um, whether in, in emotional abuse and verbal abuse and that sort of stuff, um, they don't really see it as um, as an actual trauma in your life. They, it's A lot of times you end up taking the blame for a lot of stuff, internalizing things. And I think that's where I was uh, up until that moment when I realized it was way more than, <laughs> than my fault, mm-hmm. you, you know. So that, that was really my, my lowest point was, um, you know, realizing that what have I gotten myself into? So you threw the guacamole mm-hmm. and you were arrested. Were you taken to jail that night? I was given the option to either get picked up <laughs> by, by the police and taken in the next day, or I could uh, drive myself there because I wasn't, you know, they didn't see me as a, a threat or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I wasn't going to run. 
so I went in and they took my mugshot and fingerprints. And I was supposed to spend a day in jail, but they um, they just kind of looked at me like, yeah, we can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. And they, they actually let me go. That So I didn't actually go behind bars, but oh, yeah. Oh, good. Well, so would you be willing to paint a picture of, of what life was like before the guacamole incident, the things that led up to it? Sure. So... It wasn't just that relationship. I mean, that was a 15-year relationship that, that came to an end um, with, with guacamole. But it was not just that relationship. It was a series of relationships. I'd been stuck in a pattern of toxic relationships my whole life, beginning when, when I was a child. And, you know, back when I was a, a kid, I, I, I experienced quite a bit of of abuse, physical, emotional, verbal, sexual, all of that. And I didn't, um, you know, when, when you're a kid, you, um, you just, you go through it, you, you survive, you figure out a way to survive it. But then I was stuck in that pattern and it ended up getting into a lot of, uh, other relationships. It was like a, a magnet. I was like a magnet for mm-hmm. this behavior. And I finally realized at 40 years old that I had lived uh, this long life of toxic relationships, not just this one. So, uh, you know, um, the, this 15-year relationship was, it's like, you know what the truth is. You know what a situation is or, or something that's going on in the room. And yet you're being convinced that, that that the elephant isn't in the room when you can clearly see the elephant is in the room, uh-huh. you know? Okay. And so there was a lot of that went on, uh, which ends up, you know, you end up feeling like, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, am I, am I going nuts here? And so there were no bruises, no broken bones. And, and yet there was all this trauma that was, you know, this emotional trauma that was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. So just moving forward, what happens next in the really low point? Well, you know, I... I had, I was working with an art therapist at the time, which was um, not something I really wanted to do because I I was an artist and I found that during that time I was unable to paint. I'm I'm a painter and I had a lot of my artist friends telling me, Melanie, you should paint your emotions, you know, just let it come out. And, and, you know, I was like, yeah, you're right. I should do that. And so I... I remember setting up my studio in, in my apartment and, and I got out the paints and I, I literally could not do it. And I, I ended I packed everything away, put everything into storage and, and padlocked it. Mm. And, and I thought I, I will never be able to paint again. I can't do this. And I ended up sitting on my sofa for two weeks. <laughs> I, I hardly ate. I, you know, I was just kind of in this frozen position, you know, that fight, flight, or, or freeze, I was definitely frozen and, and not functioning well. And so, and so I remember about that time, I, I told my therapist, when this is all over, I need to take a trip. I need to, I need to get myself in a safe place because I am not in a safe place here. I, everywhere I turn in this city, my, my you know, ex-husband is, is there and giving me all sorts of grief, making things difficult for me. And, um, and so I, I said, that, that's what I want to do. I, I, wanna, I need to find this safe place for me. I want to take a trip. 
It's one of those, it sounds like this really horrible, like ridiculous, tragic story. And, and it was in many ways, but then there, you know, it, it wasn't the end of me. Mm-hmm. How, how many years ago was the divorce? The divorce was final in 2005. Oh, so how many years ago was the guacamole incident? And that was in 2004. Four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've had 12 years to slowly begin to heal. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, it took literally about eight years after that divorce for me to finally be able to say, I feel like myself again and I feel strong. It's not an easy thing to, um, to move through. And, and I'm speaking directly to, to, you know, these women out there who are experiencing something similar. It's, it's a step-by-step thing. It's a step-by-step process. What were some of the components of your healing process? How did you find yourself again and, and feel like yourself again? I had to learn how to trust people again. For me, when, when I mentioned before I needed to find a safe place and I told my therapist, I, I, when, I, when this is all over, I need to go and, and take a trip someplace and, and create some space where I can breathe and think and, and gather myself up again. And, and for me, that looked like a trip to Mexico for six months. And not everybody, you know, gets to do something like that. I realize that. Um, but but for me, uh, that was something I ended up doing. I found a, this little village way down in Mexico called Ajijic in, in Jalisco, Mexico. And I, I set up an art studio and I painted and I started dancing again and, and taking, you know, doing a lot of self-care things, exercising, going out and meeting people and trying to understand when I'm meeting someone that gives me a funky feeling in my gut that that's not a good person for me to ha- to be involved with. So I started kind of learning how to trust people and who to trust. Just these little tiny steps. I needed to understand my internal signals. That's nice. It's kind of understanding who to trust. I like how you said that part, following that internal signal. Yeah. So then I really started, you know, my safety plan was – to, to learn how to stand confident and not be that flashing red light for narcissists yes. <laughs> in the world that says, here I am, come take advantage of me. Um, I learned how to stand tall, how to look confident. And, and even though I was faking it for a long time, it was very helpful for me. And uh, eventually I wasn't faking it anymore. And I did become more confident in myself. And I developed really, really awesome relationships with very positive, supportive people. That was um, developing that social connection again, not, not isolating anymore. That was a hard thing for me to do. That's the uh, Overcoming the social isolation was, uh, and I see that a lot of people these days fall into that and isolate themselves um, from the world. Not a healthy thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. We need that connection. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, give us the big picture that led to your new marriage and your book. So I ended up um, moving to a new state and uh, here in Arizona, and which was where I was raised and where mm-hmm. my family and friends were. So coming back here was part of that safety plan of mine. Mm-hmm. 
And so when I moved here to Prescott, Arizona, I about six months after moving here, I had met my husband, Greg. <laughs> and um, that that relationship was that the courting period was funny because I just really he was so different from any other relationship. He did not, you know, fit into that same mold of of past relationships. And we fell for each other really fast. And I said, okay, yeah, that scares the crap out of me. I'm not going to go there. And so, <laughs> so I was pushing him away. And he proposed marriage to me about a year later, and I turned him down. And I explained why. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not ready for that. And I'm like, but I don't want our relationship to end. I'm just not ready for marriage. He ended up proposing two more times, and I turned him down all three times. <laughs> oh, boy. He was persistent. Oh my God. And very understanding as well. Um, And then after, I don't know, about four months or so after his last proposal, after really thinking about if, if, you know, this would be a healthy relationship to get into, I, I called him up and I said, is, does that last proposal have an expiration date? Cause, cause I want to change my answer. Aw, that's sweet. (laughs) So yeah, we ended up getting married. So you're finally in a relationship that was healthy. Yeah. When when did your book uh, become something you wanted to write? Yeah. So I be, I became a, a a health coach. You know, my health had taken a turn after my divorce, and um, ended up getting rheumatoid arthritis, and which forced me into changing careers 